0: Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit. He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid, Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert.
1: Murray's gonna score, touchdown. And for Fitz goes up and makes the game-winning catch! Larry Legend does it
2: again!
0: Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage. taking Over.
1: Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Oh, it's going to be a show, all right. In fact, it's already been a very good week. Because I'm going to tell you what we're not leading with, Ron Wolfley. What
0: would that be, Bolly?
1: Dak Prescott contract talk.
0: Oh, here we go. More Dak talk. Not Doc talk. No. Dak talk.
1: Ding dong, it's dead. even though ESPN still led with it this morning, incomprehensible, unthinkable. It's 72 hours old. They're still trying to beat that drum. Unbelievable, but no more as a nation held hostage by Dak and his contract. <laughs> because, you know, recent polling sources are telling me revealed that this nation is almost as weary of Dak talk and his contract as the <laughs> pandemic. So thankfully... I doubt
0: that. highly doubt that, Paulie.
1: Thankfully. But
0: you got to follow the money, do you not, Paul? And that boy. guy's yeah. got an awful lot of money, yeah. doesn't he?
1: Wolf, you better enjoy Kyler Murray on a rookie contract while you can.
0: You got that right. My oh goodness. Boy. How many more yes. years did the Arizona <laughs> – is that three, Paul? Yes. 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 At it's- some point in time, though, you got to figure that they're probably going to re-up him at some point in time. Yeah,
1: After this season is when he is eligible for the Mondo contract extension, the big, big money after this coming season. So, yes – It is a critical season in more ways than one. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. And Wolf, we're going network tonight. Steve Weich will join us. Yes. As, didn't you, once upon a time, uh, make that trip to L.A. and appear on NFL Network? Was Steve Weich your anchor when you went big time in L.A. Uh, on I'm Network? I'm
0: trying to remember, Paulie. If he you wasn't, don't remember? I, I, seriously, I do not remember, Paul, if he was. I mean, it wasn't like you're making it sound like I was there for a year, that I'd go all the time. I did not, Paul. I was okay. there, what, Once
1: yeah okay all right well you know uh, they did
0: ask me back Polly. they kept asking me back for about three months after that and then they went away and i kept <laughs> saying no so i don't think that went over well
1: you weren't real down with the pancake makeup, were you?
0: No, are you kidding uh, me right now? It was, yeah. I mean, the whole studio and everything yeah. else, it was this massive studio, something you would have felt very comfortable in, Paul.
1: <laughs> no, there's, well, there's a difference. See, local guys, ham and eggers like yours truly, we do our own makeup, but <laughs> no when you're Paul. in LA at the network, they have someone, a professional makeup artist See, who does you up. That's well,
0: exactly so. it. The local yeah. was coming out at me right, right at this national broadcast.
1: Yeah so uh did you see what happened today some of the headlines and by the way steve weich uh it wasn't just his huddle and flow podcast that was covering the nfl nfl he was actually making news him and his uh, partner jim trotter and so there is a lot to talk about not only what he sees in the cardinals and what's straight ahead but what happened today on his podcast with the head coach of uh, the Houston Texans when it regards Deshaun Watson. But you see some of the other headlines today, like Kansas City cutting both of their starting offensive tackles, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Swartz. We know that Minnesota already released left tackle Riley Reef uh, Cornerback Janoris Jenkins with his Saints, he was released. So when Michael Bidwill said last week there's going to be a seismic shift in talent in the NFL
0: he wasn't kidding no doubt about it Paulie this is going to be a free agent period like nothing we've never seen it before
1: and what does that mean for an Arizona Cardinals team that it comes to light they are only down for 4.9 million under the cap on JJ Watt for this season so what does that mean going forward We'll get into the Cardinals and what happened this week, what we know, what we think we know, and then upcoming Steve White, NFL Network, joining us on this edition of the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. the run, drops back to throw, hit trouble and gets sacked at the 34-yard line.
2: Chandler Jones there for the Cardinals. I'll say this, it's going to be times where you're going to see J.J. and Chan together, because a three technique to the, you know, Will Backer side, if he's a hot in the gap vertical guy in the B-gap, it's going to allow Chan to have a two-way go and to come under sometimes. But most of the time, you know, having those guys split, it's going to make the offense be honest in protections.
1: And I'll be honest, Wolf, we might need a football to English translation right there. A defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, and maybe a little football 101 as he joined us last week. And it was outstanding right here on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford. And Gilbert, we are Santan Ford. And when you asked him about how he planned to utilize a J.J. Watt with Chandler Jones, that was his answer. And and for example, when he said two-way go, yeah, what exactly is that referring to? Break that down for folks who maybe didn't quite follow all of that. Well,
0: basically what he just said right now is that J.J. Watt would line up as the three technique over the outside shoulder of the guard, line up as a three technique, and then you would have the Will Backer outside of him, which would be Chan, would be Chandler Jones, and you've got a guy that can get up the field and burst like J.J. Watt can. Now, all of a sudden, he can attack that outside shoulder, get up the field, and maybe Chan comes underneath him. It's called a T.E., Paul. Mm. You've heard of the E.T., The eat, if you will, that's where the end comes down first and the tackle goes around. Well, the T-E is the opposite. The tackle goes up the field and the end comes underneath if, in fact, he desires to go underneath. So... Listen, uh, they don't have to run games, they don't, but man, I'll tell you what, the prospect of them actually doing that together, I can't wait to see it, Paulie. And
1: and what's interesting is even J.J. Watt said, hey, he'll he'll play over the nose, he'll play the three, the five, he'll play off the edge. We know Chandler Jones can play either side. We've seen Chandler Jones get kicked inside in certain situations. Uh, I mean, Wolf, there's going to be a lot for opposing offensive lines to think about just based on where those two guys are going to line up snap to snap.
0: Paulie, it's going to be incredible right now. Um, I think Vance Joseph is going to have a big advantage because he can almost guarantee what kind of protection he's going to get based on where J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones line up. They're going to turn, I would imagine at some point in time, they're going to try to go out there and turn their protection towards the Chandler Jones. If you tell me Chan comes back and looks like Chandler Jones, the guy we've seen in years previous, not 2020, because he only played, obviously, in four and a half games and got hurt in that game right there and wasn't having a great year, let's just say it the way that it is, wasn't having as productive a year, but the year before that, of course, in 2019 and everything we've seen from Chandler Jones if he looks like that guy once again you can almost guarantee what kind of protection you're going to get and that means J.J. Watt put him on the other side of that protection and he's going to have probably a one-on-one put him over a guard and you can almost guarantee he's going to have a one-on-one against
1: that guard. And once again, shouldn't be any sort of ramp-up or lag time for Chandler Jones. He's coming off a torn bicep. It's not like it's a knee or Achilles or, or some sort of ankle surgery. Exactly. In fact, on the Red Sea Report this week, Bertrand Barry, former pass rusher extraordinaire for the Cardinals, was awesome, talking dude. about how Vance Joseph is, yes, Wolf, going to give offenses a lot to think about.
2: He's going to be playing mind games with this offensive line and the offensive coordinator throughout the course of this season and and it's going to be one big chess match. Uh, It's going to be very, very difficult to contain both of those big pieces because they're going to be very disruptive in their own right individually, but collectively uh, it could be devastating for offensive lines and ultimately quarterbacks.
0: Paulie, never forget you. You want to get pressure with four. That is always the ultimate goal. Get pressure with four, but Vance Joseph, he built his reputation in the National Football League on doing a very good job at bringing five complex pressure and blitz packages. That's what he was known for. That's what he built his reputation on, and it's going to be really, really interesting to to see exactly what he's going to do. The one thing I can guarantee you, when you line up, based on where you line up Chandler Jones and where you might line up J.J. Watt, you make offenses and their protection schemes more predictable. And I've told you this, Paul, for anybody that is a schemer, anybody that likes to bring these complex blitz and pressure packages like Vance Joseph, that's advantage Arizona Cardinals.
1: Do you think he's done that out of necessity? For example, when Chandler Jones went down, yes. or is that just is is that his mo? Meaning, if Chandler Jones and JJ Watt play to form and they can beat obviously single blocking even double teams at time, does he need? to bring numbers and you think you'll exactly. see it less than ever this year
0: you're right paulie no doubt great observation by you the sideline guy you've got to be kidding me you just nailed it paul you're right you're probably not going to see five as much as we've seen in the past because you don't need to bring that but i'll guarantee you he schemed it up last year oh the yeah. arizona cardinals number five in sacks per attempt in the national football league without chandler jones
1: and and i think they were top three all season long in blitz percentage Uh, you know he was ultra aggressive there's no doubt about it now the question is who's going to go along with jj watt and chandler jones when it comes to pursuing the quarterback hassan reddick will not be tagged by the cardinals that was a headline this week that would have cost about 15 million not feasible not doable under this year's cap so if hassan reddick isn't coming back what do you think, Wolf? Real quick, Marcus Golden, is that still a possibility? Yeah, honestly,
0: I'm, I'm waiting to find out what they do with uh, Devon Kennard as well. I'm mm-hmm. waiting to find out, Paulie, if there's yep. some type of restructure there as well, like Robert Alford. Um, I don't know, but I would love to see Marcus Golden back here, wouldn't you?
1: Oh, all right, absolutely. In fact, if you believe the PFF, the pro football focus analytics, he had a better blitz percentage rate of getting to the quarterback pressure rate than hassan reddick so he just didn't play as many snaps as hassan reddick so and knowing marcus golden's mindset and the fact he's a dog him and jj watt that would set the tone on the defense there's no doubt about it all right let's go network when we come back steve white's going to join us nfl network insider and uh yeah part of the headlines today we'll get into all that and more on the big red rage presented by santan ford in gilbert in the air, running the other way with it is J.J. Watt, and he is going to go 80-plus yards for the touchdown. Ball is free, knocked around. Control by Watt picked up running with it to the 40, to the 30,
0: to the 20. He's gone. Touchdown. What can he do?
2: Portals with time. Pumps. Here comes Watt, and he breaks down Portals in the end zone. JJ Watt with the sack. Look out from behind. Here comes Watt, and second time he has gotten to the quarterback. Stafford back to pass. Looks, looks out
1: left side, intercepted by JJ Watt, and he's going to take it in for a touchdown decade of dominance by jj watt and wolf well, we could spend all night just citing stat after stat but uh, if you want qb hits and sacks combined since 2011 jj watt has 298 nobody else in the nfl has more than 230 Wow. so think about that yes. it's uh it's something we are highly anticipating two off seasons ago was Kyler murray last year was deandre hopkins now it's jj watt and to get a little perspective on all this, we're going to go out to the phone line and bring in NFL Network insider and NFL Network reporter Steve White, who made news today on his podcast. We'll get to that <laughs> a little bit later. He's also a St. Louis guy. Steve, do you happen to remember a player by the name of Ron Wolfley back in the day for the St. Louis Cardinals, the guy with the plus-size shoulder pads hitting everything in sight?
2: I absolutely do. Now, I mean, these were, these were great – There were so many great offensive talented teams back there, right? You know, when Jim Hannafin and Don Coryell and and all these guys, you had guys like Ron Wolfley and Wayne Morris and Terry Metcalf and Roy Green and Jim Hart. I mean, there were just so many great players. And you look back at all the individual talent. I mean, the offensive line, you know, with Dan Dierdorf and Tom Banks and and all these great players, and you're like, how come they won, like, seven games a year every year? <laughs> you know, like, like what's go- oh, the defense, that's right. But absolutely, I remember Ron Wolf. Oh, my goodness, on, Steve,
0: you're, you're just gushing, and you know you're gushing right now because there was but, but, no but, but talent. am I wrong? Am I, am I, am I wrong? <laughs> uh, yeah, me talented, you put me in the same care- category as a Wayne Morris. I'm just not okay, buying it, Steve. I might have been a better blocker, but he was much better with the ball in his head
1: somewhere right now our guy roy green roy green is offended right now i'll just say that but 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 you know we love you for it steve we love you for it
2: hey but here here, here's the thing ron he you had to block lawrence taylor oh you got that right so so that that alone puts a a a check in the box
0: (laughs) the most brutal block the most brutal assignment in the history of the game period next
1: all right so Steve, how about some national perspective on on, speaking (laughs) of having to block guys? You know, JJ Watt and Chandler Jones. What do you think the national take on that is?
2: Well, I mean, look, it's it's, it's any take. I mean, the 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 main thing would be a is an offensive coordinator's take because the one thing the Buccaneers showed us, and honestly, what the Patriots have shown us, and what most teams have shown us, is if you can affect the quarterback, you're in every game. And let's look at. Aaron Donald with the Rams. We could talk mm-hmm. about that offense and everything that the Rams have done. Aaron Donald has helped cause more scoop and scores, uh, fumble, you know, fumble recoveries, getting the offense added possessions, and things like that than any player in, in the division, right? And that's what J. J. Watt brings. Because now, again, you can you can put him and Chandler Jones on the same side, and you know Vance Joseph, he loves to overload one side. So then. You can put an Isaiah Simmons coming off the edge or a Buda Baker coming off the edge because numbers-wise, it just won't match up. Or you can put J.J. Watt on one side, Chandler Jones on one side. You know they both can flip. You can reduce J.J. Watt inside. So, I mean, even the effectiveness of what they can have, the threat of what they can do is really where the impact is going to be felt because now you're going to slide coverages over so whomever your pass rusher is on the other side is going to get singled up. So that person should have career years for the next couple years as long as J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones are there. You know it's so a, it, it is it's a huge impact that his his presence has.
0: No doubt about it, Steve. You're right on that thing. Let me just go back to 2020 because I have to tell you right now when this deal came down, I was a little worried because of JJ Watt in the last 5 years due to injury. The fact that he had missed 32 games due to injury. Yep. The first 5 years didn't miss a game. Next 5 years in his career missed 32 games. I was a little worried. I went back and I looked at the 2020 tape where he had over a thousand snaps for the Houston Texans. I gotta tell you, Steve, I was blown away by it. The, the guy looked much younger than I mean, he looked like he was twenty-two and not thirty-two.
1: Well, he led the NFL in tackles for loss against the run. So even though he was doubled the highest percentage of anyone in the league, he <clears> only had five sacks, he still was very stout at the point.
2: Well, that's because everyone in the NFL ran against the Houston Texans. Right. <laughs> I mean they, the Texans couldn't, you know. The Texans were always playing, you know, from behind, and that's why Sean Watson had a lot of those big numbers. But what JJ Watt did last year, and I'm so glad you brought that up because it goes to show that when he is healthy, again, he may only have five sacks, but the presence of him mm-hmm. frees up everybody else. It is you have to know where he is, and you have to intentionally scheme for him, and that that is a huge, huge deal. And that's why Vance Joseph, who loves to move people around, has a heck of a chip. So the the big hope for the Cardinals is that he stays healthy. And again, mm-hmm. if he can, if he can do what he did last year, that's huge. I mean that, that is absolutely yeah. significant. People want to look at the sack numbers, but the durability of him absolutely impacts everything that the defense can do.
1: <laughs> NFL network reporter Steve Weich on board here, the big red race presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. So we know the salary cap. And we know that earlier this month, Steve, that Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell mentioned that it would be a seismic shift by the time free agency in this offseason is done when it comes to talent moving around the league. We saw today Kansas City cutting both their starting tackles. We saw Riley Reef recently. What do you expect? What is your forecast come next week?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I I, I don't think we're going to have the typical big splash, like everybody running. You know, to try to pursue one or two guys. I think you're going to be a much, you're going to see a much slower played market because with the salary cap coming down, teams are going to try to push a guy who say maybe a a 10 million dollar a year average guy try to push that number down to seven million or six million. You're, I, I think you're going to see a lot of players, especially good players, who maybe are in their upper 20s, sign one year deals and bet on themselves. Yeah. So the next year when the cap goes back up, they can sign that longer-term deal. So it's it's going to be real interesting. And then if there's a, a veteran player, a Patrick Peterson type, right, who's out there on the market, how is that market going to impact him? How is Patrick Peterson viewed? You know, Is the team going to say he's the guy who can get our defense over the hump, or is he going to be part of that second or third wave of free agents um, where people are going to say, well, you know, we can only pay him so much a year. And because there might not be a ton of competition, that may be what he has to do like how Charles Woodson had to do years ago um, when he left the Raiders for Green Bay.
0: What do you think is more likely that teams will give a lot of veterans out there in the beginning of free agency a take-it-or-leave-it offer where it's like, hey, listen, this is it, or we're moving on to our next guy. You either take it or leave it in the front in the very beginning or at the end, a bottleneck at the end where everyone's waiting, waiting to see how the way, how it's going to play out, and then all of a sudden you've got a bunch of mass signings at the end of free agency. How do you
2: see this I, I think hold? it's going to be the latter. Yeah, I think it's going to be at the back end. I, I really do because of the draft, you know, you're, you're seeing teams really stock up on draft picks. And so I see, I think you're going to see teams go through the draft before a lot of them commit financially to veteran free agents, you know, and that's a, that's a fairly sizable gap, right? That's going to be about mm-hmm. a three week, four week gap. But I think that's, what's going to happen is teams, you know, are going to say, let's, let's see who we can get in the draft. And then if a guy's there, fine. If not, Fine. Um, Because there's no team really that's probably saying one or two free agents is going to get us over the top in this year where the cap is so low. We'll slow play it and see if we can get some guys on one year deals.
1: Steve Weich, NFL Network. You can follow him on Twitter, at Weich89. Every team has needs and wants. Cardinals definitely have needs when it comes to the cornerback position, a number two receiver perhaps. What do you think the market presents in those two positions in particular? How many options do you think the Cardinals will have at their disposal,
2: Steve? Well, a receiver, they're going to have options. I mean, and and that's where I honestly think if they they can get someone like a Marvin Jones, right, from Detroit, Mm -hmm. This guy's got 18 touchdowns over the past two seasons and nobody talks about it. bigger receiver, which which shorter quarterbacks need where he's got a great radius. He makes plays at the end of the games. I mean, he's the type of guy who's out there. Look at some of the receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marvin Jones. Some of these guys are all in the same category where you wouldn't necessarily say they were featured wide receivers, but they're guys who can do a multitude of things. So I think in free agency, that might be an area where the Cardinals really try to capitalize. Um, corner, he, you, know, it, you know, you don't see a lot of great corners available, but you did see guys like you know, George Jenkins got let go today Yeah, in yep. New Orleans. He's a, he's, he's a good player, right? So there's going to be teams going after a guy like Jack Rabbit.
0: I wonder about um, Malcolm Butler as well,
2: Steve. You know, <clears throat> if, is that a right.
0: guy you might want to kick the tires on?
2: Maybe, you know, you, you know the, the big knock on Malcolm Butler is he's a great technique, tough guy, but he does not have the top-end speed, right? So then you look at the receivers you're going to face in this division, okay? Tyler Lockett, D.K. Metcalf, two dudes who can blow the top off of things, okay, on the same team. Mm-hmm. The Rams don't necessarily have that guy, even though Cooper Cup is a great catch-and-run guy. The 49ers don't necessarily have that guy, even though Debo, Debo Samuel a great catch-and-run guy. You know, Ayuk, big target. So that's where you say, okay, we look at the competition in our division, and maybe he's someone who can fit our scheme. Maybe he's someone who fits what we like to do. He's played in the 34 front for most of his career, so maybe he can come in again and, and, and do what Vance Joseph likes to do. So possibly. It'll be interesting to see. Remember, there wasn't a huge market for him when he became you know available a couple of years ago. Tennessee grabbed him from New England. Uh, we'll, we'll see the repeat factors. He's a really, really good player. It's just a top-end speed that scares me. He's got to be in the right scheme.
1: <laughs> I like the Marvin Jones suggestion, no doubt about it. Curtis Samuel is out there as well. It's just at this point, for whatever reason, it just seems recently that rookie receivers have had a hard time making an instant impact. 13 receivers won the first two rounds last year. That was a record in terms of the draft. And honestly, two or three really had a meaningful mm-hmm. instant impact on their teams i feel more comfortable these days going after a veteran established receiver if you have a need yep. at that position so we'll get into that we'll get into the rest of the division and uh the quarterback situation as we put our head on look over the block wall into seattle and san francisco and la's backyard and then two words wolf right now said on steve white's <laughs> podcast oh, no. earlier today It blew up Twitter and the internet. We'll get into that next. Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Murray and shotgun has the football. Short set, throws a deep ball. Left side, single coverage, and it is pulled in by DeAndre Hopkins, and he's got a touchdown. What a throw by Kyler Murray, and what a catch
0: great throw by kyler murray but an even better
1: read touchdown snap to murray and he keeps it himself running left got a defender with him at the five breaks a tackle dives ball comes out but he crossed the plane touchdown
0: kyler murray somehow someway found a way to get that pig across pater big time play
1: by the mighty kyler murray as part of a Week Seven win against the Seahawks, where the Cardinals trailed by double digits three different times in that game, Kyler Murray was your NFC Offensive Player of the Week. And guys, if you remember, that was the first time ever since Russell Wilson has been the starting quarterback with the Seahawks that the Seahawks had led a game by ten at the half and lost. Russell Wilson had been thirty and zero until that win by the Cardinals to go 5-2. and two. Of course, they lost five of the last seven and just missed the playoffs. We're kicking around the NFC West here with Steve White, a pleasure to have on the NFL Network Reporter, and we'll get to your podcast here momentarily that made a lot of headlines today. Let's just run the no-huddle real quick around the NFC West and the quarterback situations, because obviously there's a lot of news, a lot of drama there. Uh, give us a quick thought on Kyler year two and, and what you expect year three on the Cardinals' young quarterback, Steve.
2: Look, Kyler was doing it until he hurt that shoulder. Um, you know he was he was playing well. He was throwing the ball well. The way that they were mixing up the variety of options. You know, a lot of people thought everything was RPO, but Ron, you know this. They were running some old school speed option, like old Oklahoma Arkansas type stuff, where he was killing teams. So I, I think year three he is going to be better, especially if they get him. Um, you know, a, another big guy on the wideout, like I was saying, Marvin Jones. But they've got to fix that offensive line. They, they have got to come up way, with ways to fix the offensive line or scheme, with scheme or personnel to help him out a little bit. But I think he's going to continue to grow. I mean, he's, he's just so talented. Um, he's not a guy who's going to take a step back as long as he stays healthy.
0: Speaking of offensive lines and the impact mm-hmm. that it has on a quarterback, what can you tell us right now of Russell Wilson? Do you mm-hmm. think Russell Wilson is going to be a Seattle Seahawk when the season starts?
2: I do. I do. I mean, it, it, it's too rich to get him. And I think teams would much rather – you know, look, you, first off, Seattle's not going to trade them. And if their teams are going to give up the the bank for a quarterback, they're going to go after Deshaun Watson. I, I believe that's the case. So I think Russell Wilson is back. I think they'll change some things schematically. Remember, Shane Waldron, who was with Sean McVay with the Rams, is the new OC. So you're going to see him run more of that outside zone stuff, a lot of the trickeration up front, or even scheme can make up for, like, overall personnel or talent on the offensive line. So that can help, but they've got to find ways to just be more proficient up front before. They've always been happy just running the ball and being great at that and that pass protection thing. Hey, Russell, you figure that part out. They've got to change the thinking there to keep him to keep him happy. And to keep him standing upright after this year is what's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: And as desperate as the Bears are, you're right; it's just not that feasible for Seattle. They take like a thirty-nine million dollar dead cap hit if they trade away yeah. Russell Wilson. How about in LA with the Rams? How much of an upgrade is Matthew Stafford, in your opinion?
2: It's going to be interesting to see. Um, look, talent-wise and everything, he's we, we know we know how talented he is. Um, but he really hasn't been in a situation where he's won before. So maybe he takes off when he just comes to an environment like the Rams have where success is expected. And not just success on Sundays, that's success every day on the practice field. The way they practice is how championship teams practice. So, um, you know, they're trying, they've got to get a downfield threat because that was a problem with Jared Goff. Teams knew if they could keep it, you know, when they had Brandon Cook, they were a much more dangerous offense because they had someone to occupy someone deep down the field. When they didn't have that last year, It's much easier for defenses to confuse Jared Goff. So, you know, if Matthew Stafford can come in and learn what Sean McVay wants him to do quickly, they're going to be pretty good. I mean, that offensive line, that's an issue with them. You know, that's an issue with them. And cap-wise, they're going to lose some really good players on defense like their safety, John Johnson. They're probably going to lose Leonard Floyd, the pass rusher, coming off of a great year. Those are two big blows, but somehow the Rams continue to find ways to develop young players to shine, especially on defense when you got number 99 having the same impact yep. that I said the J.J. Watt should have for players for the Cardinals. And We'll,
1: we'll see about Jimmy G and his future with the Niners. <laughs> There's a lot floating out there. Maybe Sam Darnold. We all hope and pray it's not Deshaun Watson yeah. going to the 49ers. And with that in mind, earlier today on your Huddle & Flow podcast, your partner Jim Trotter asked new Houston head coach David Culley about their franchise quarterback.
2: Will Deshaun Watson be the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans in 2021? He is our starting quarterback as of right now. He is our starting quarterback. Things happen between now and then, and then we'll see what happens. Wow.
1: Uh, What happened after that is the question. Steve, take us
2: through it. Well, I mean, we called him on it. We were like, there it is, Jim. There's the dreaded right now. Like Jared Goff was our starting quarterback as of right now. You guys know in Arizona, Josh Rosen's our guy right now. The big difference is those proclamations were made by general managers, guys who have control over the roster. This was made by his new head coach, who I think was unfairly served up to the media today because he made a bunch of media rounds. So he had to answer question after question with this, and he's not the one making the decision on Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. However, he did leave open when Jim and I spoke to him, which he didn't do in other interviews, I would say the more the more so a probability than a possibility of Deshaun Watson being traded. You know, later on in the interview, he said, look, um, Deshaun's our guy now, but we're going to move forward with guys who are all in and guys who want to be here. Well, we know Deshaun is not all in and doesn't want to be there. So there seems to be a door opening to the possibility of them listening to offer. So if a team like the Niners or the Jets or the Dolphins comes correct, I would not be surprised in the next couple weeks we'll have a decision on Deshaun Watson sooner rather than later. The thing is, and here's the caveat, let's say the Jets are happy with Darnold and let's say the Dolphins are happy with Tua. So Carolina and the Niners are like the next teams. Well, they may not have to give up the bounty because they may not have the competition um, if, if the Jets and the Dolphins stand still. So they may not have to give up as much as they normally would. So then the Texans are really in a pickle, and do they play chicken with Deshaun Watts? And so um, really odd situation. I really felt bad for David Cully being put out there and served up the way he did without support from the people who are actually making the personnel decisions because he's a fantastic man. I, I wish him the best, um, but it's it's really, really getting interesting down in Houston.
0: So, to me, Steve, they have to trade him. They do. They're just posturing right now to build up some type of leverage and let people know, we are not going to trade Deshaun Watson. It's never going to happen. We're not going to trade him. And then, of course, once they get what they want, they'll trade him. They have to do that, right? I mean, that is the scenario you see unfolding, correct?
2: I, I would think so. I mean, he doesn't want to be there. They can get an awful lot from teams, again, like I was talking about, Carolina. Yes. The Niners, the Jets. So, to me, if you're going to go ahead and blow it up with, with D-Hop and you're going to blow it up with J.J. White, go ahead and move to Sean. Right. Go ahead and start new and start a whole new regime that will let your fan base know exactly what your philosophy is and it will give everybody an opportunity to figure things out while they start from scratch.
1: What do you think the Niners are going to do ultimately? They're not going to stick with Jimmy G if they can help it, are they?
2: Yeah, right. If they can find something better, they'll – they'll find something better, but they're not going to, I don't think they're going to go crazy and say, we've, we've got to move, you know, four first round draft picks or three first round draft picks and, you know, Fred Warner to make this happen. They're, they're not going to do that. They're not that type of franchise. So if they can get something feasible and maybe it's not a Deshaun Watson, but you know, maybe somebody else I've, I've heard, you know, mixed, mixed reviews from people there on Sam Darnold. Um, You know, I, I think they're more than willing to sit tight than to break the bank on somebody but if somebody does become available who they like i I think they're definitely going to go swimming in in those waters
0: steve every time we talk to you man seriously absolutely love it thank you for joining us tonight i appreciate it big guy
2: okay appreciate you guys for having me
1: especially since you've had quite a day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. You've been all over Just Twitter. And upstate. I mean, uh, you know, lead story in a lot of these uh, NFL websites. So, once again, the podcast is Huddle and Flow. Steve Weich and Jim Trotter are available on Apple and Spotify. So, once again, Steve, thanks, and uh, all the best here over the next couple of weeks in free agency. We appreciate that, and Wolf will digest exactly what Steve Weich had to say there, not only when it comes to what might happen within the division, hear what he is take on the wide receiver and cornerback spot when it comes to free agency, all that and more straight ahead. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford.
2: look at uh, the changes that, that Cliff has made with his coaching staff are going to be big improvements. Our run game was a strength early in the season and promoting Sean Cooler to our run game coordinator. I think we're going to continue to improve. I know who Cooks is and I know if he's involved, I know we're going to be
0: downhill and we're going to be running at people and we're going to be physical because that's just what he coached. That's, that's, that's who we are as a unit. I'm so excited. Congratulations to him. Super excited for my guy Cooks.
1: DJ Humphreys, former host of the Big Red Rage, preceded by Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell. And it's undeniable, both when the Cardinals had the high-scoring, high-flying offense the second half of 2019 and the first half of 2020, the common denominator, a potent run game. A run game that over the first nine games of this season was averaging better than 160 yards per and over the tail end of the season, where the Cardinals finished two and five, they're averaging about 110 yards or less rushing per game, including that finale against the Rams where they got stymied. So you heard the emphasis from a couple of key cogs in this Cardinals operation going into this season and and yeah it seems like there'll be more of an emphasis than ever on being a balanced offense and having that potent run game back
0: no doubt about it Bully. first of all you have to understand that I I know everyone says well he's been doing that he's been doing that for the Arizona Cardinals since he showed up here and you're absolutely right there's no doubt about it Coogs has been basically the run game coordinator without the title And without the pay raise, I might add. So, Paulie, you know what? Now all of a sudden he's got a title and he's got a pay raise. And in the NFL, and I've said this many times, more pay, more say, right? That's what it comes down to. And I think the culture of this offensive line and how they go about their business is going to be one of the biggest changes in 2021. I think we're going to try to run the ball in a more physical way. And it starts with a thought, Paul. It starts with an expectation. It starts with saying to these guys, this is how we're going to run the ball. We're going to bank on you is what we're going to do. We're going to hope that you can line up, DJ Humphreys, and just be better than the guy across from you. That's going to be our expectation. And suddenly, when you bring that burden of expectation down on an offensive line, not only do they typically welcome it, but I think they thrive under it.
1: You know, the Cardinals have debuted a new piece of content. It's called Debate This. You go to azcardinals.com. You can check it out. Uh, there's going to be an episode coming out where it's me versus Kyle. Okay, and we got into it a little bit. It got a little personal when it came to the offensive line, Ron Wolfley, and the question was this. Over or under – the number of new starting offensive linemen going into this year, two. Wow. And I said absolutely over. Are you kidding me? It's DJ Humphreys and could be 52-card pickup. We've already heard Sean Kugler talk about they want to upgrade at center. Now, whether that's internal and those guys raise the level of play, we know right guard was unsettled and J.R. Sweezy most likely is not coming back. We know right tackle, Calvin Beecham is up, is going to be a free agent. Don't know what the deal is. Marcus Gilbert, maybe Josh Jones. That's looking to be a change starter there. And as well as Justin Pugh played, he dealt with some injuries last year, and he's got a big cap number. So who knows what's what might happen there?
0: Yeah, no, Paulie, you're right on that, honestly. Listen, it, it's, a, it's a great question, two or three, somewhere in there. I could see three. If you want to build that argument, I could easily see three new starters on that offensive line. Two, I think, seems more likely to me. I don't know what Kyle's answer was to you, Paulie. He went two or under. <laughs> okay. and so you All know, right. we got into it a little bit. Uh, no, I'm just saying. I I could see, man. You you bring up you bring up a name, Paul. Nobody's going to talk about it. Everyone's going to yawn. Everyone's going to roll their eyes when I say about Marcus Gilbert. I. I Paul, you know what kind of dog Marcus Gilbert is. You know what kind of leader Marcus Gilbert is. Can I tell you right now, when he was with the Arizona Cardinals, before he opted out of the season, before he got hurt, I can tell you right now, Marcus Gilbert was their best lineman. And I think everyone will tell you that, including D.J. Humphreys at that point in time in his career. I think he will tell you that. I think Marcus Gilbert is really, really good for that offensive line route. And then maybe, Paul, just maybe, and we've heard Coogs actually address this, maybe you kick down josh jones as a guard so now all of a sudden he's not on the he's not out on the edge at the left tackle or the right tackle he eases his way in as a starter on the offensive line at the guard position is that a possibility i think it is
1: at six seven he just doesn't appear to be your quintessential guard josh jones but then you remember guys like alex boone it was six eight and he was an all-pro uh, you know, for the 49ers, so but it can't But, Paulie, be done. if you
0: can get him wraps, right? I mean, if you can get him yep. wraps into the game and not put him out on the edge where stuff gets a little hairy, Paul, as a young player, maybe you can build his confidence before you kick him out there.
1: All right, so I'm going to ask what everybody's thinking right now. Ron Wolfley, are you or are you not reporting that Marcus Gilbert is tracking to come back and play right tackle for the Arizona Cardinals in 2021.
0: I, I'm not reporting that, Paul. I am not, but I do know that this guy can flat-out play. Has he said he's going to retire, Paul? Has no. he said that right now? Because no. I haven't read anything where Marcus Gilbert said he was going to retire, and if the Arizona Cardinals still have a crack at Marcus Gilbert, which I think they do, man, I'll tell you what, I, I don't think there's going to be anybody that will beat him out in camp. How about that?
1: If if you go back the last two years of the Big Red Rage, would you say our episode with Marcus Gilbert was top five? Oh, no doubt. He is. Just nails. He is beyond impressive. And so your point about not only has he not retired, you're right, that's curious, absolutely. Uh, He's going to have fresh legs, that's for sure. But the leadership that this Cardinals team in the last month of the season in particular appeared to be sorely lacking. Does that happen again if Marcus Gilbert is in that locker room, is in that offensive <laughs> huddle? Just like the Cardinals put a lot of money out there for J.J. Watt. It wasn't just his play on the field. It's what he does off the field.
0: Never to... forget, Bully, It starts with a thought, though, yeah. and then you got to act on that thought.
1: Okay. All right. We'll see what else uh, Wolf hints at heavily and then denies he's reporting when we come back <laughs> on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Nope.
0: Kurt Warner with an absolutely perfect pass. Right on the Muddy. Old Greybeard looks sharp, doesn't he? Is Kurt Warner sick or what? Oh, Kurt, you have to be kidding me right there. Great
2: throw by Kurt Warner.
0: Kurt Warner using the Kung Fu grip. You want to talk about cool as a cucumber in the refrigerator. The gloved one leading him down
2: the field again.
0: Wow, Kurt Warner isn't in the zone. He is the zone. Kurt Warner could throw a Twinkie into a toaster. I mean, this guy is on fire.
1: Never a bad time to talk about the gloved one, Kurt Warner, the Hall of Famer. But it comes up this week, our Jim Omohundro reminded us that Kurt was signed as a free agent by the Cardinals 16 years ago this week. So... That's our installment of "Now We Feel Old." As 16 years ago, uh, Kurt Warner signed as an Arizona Cardinal, and uh, we all know uh, what the aftermath of that was. Not only leading the Cardinals to Super Bowl 43, but honestly, Wolf, and I think you back me up on this, his signing went a long way towards changing the Cardinals' culture permanently. Mm. Oh no, permanently, permanently. So, with that in mind, and we know the Cardinals could use some extra leadership, right? J.J. Watt, big reason he was signed. Is there a dream free agent you have out there right now that you'd sign on the line that has dotted?
0: Paulie, you know that I'm a big believer in the line of scrimmage right now, and I think the Arizona Cardinals, this is just my opinion, I think they need to get more physical on both sides of the ball. J.J. Watt went a long way towards getting the Cardinals more physical on the defensive side of the ball, and that culture, that dogness, if you will, is going to spread, I think, in that locker room on the defensive side of the ball. Now they need something on the offensive side of the ball if i could pick one if i could pick one free agent paul it'd be Corey Lindsley, oh. the center from the green bay packers
1: and, and you know what it's funny because i was already looking if it's not Corey Lindsley, uh, and alex mac is out there that yeah but alex is 35 years old he's 30 old. That's the I, one thing about
0: it. it you worry about it at some point in time
1: he, he, but he's known as a mauler i'm with you <laughs> he's he, you want one of those guys who's gonna set the tone and, and we know we know Kyler in his stature. And you tell me if I'm wrong on this, but if there's one thing that really harasses him and is effective, and that's pressure up the middle, and if you can get that center to be part of a stout interior offensive line this coming season, I think that goes a long way towards reestablishing him and his pocket prowess as a passer.
0: No, Paulie, you're right on that thing. No doubt about it. I think you go back, you look at some of the Oklahoma film where they used to run play action, whether it was out of the shotgun, the pistol, whatever it was, they would run play action, and then he'd set up up in the pocket and they'd go with a protection a six or seven man protection and he'd take a shot down the field that's what I think the Cardinals also need to do as well not only improve on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball but have Kyler Murray more under center running that tackle zone and then pulling up and throwing play action from the pocket from deep in the pocket hitting crossing routes down the field of the likes of DeAndre Hopkins
1: well, I'll tell you what. If we have a wish list and it's offense, I would definitely be on board with the suggestion from Steve Weich, our guest tonight from NFL Network. Marvin Jones, the big receiver oh, yeah. from the Lions, 18 touchdown catches the last two years. He's a dog. Curtis Samuel is out there. I'd love to see him paired up with DeAndre Hopkins. So we'll see. The uh, legal tampering starts Monday. Free agency officially begins next Wednesday. That'll do it. Special thanks, Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, for Ron Wolfley on Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Number one, Tyler Murray! You've been listening to the Big Red
2: Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM.
0: And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.